Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of forgiveness, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining the importance of having forgiveness, why it is so important. And the first thing that I pointed out is that you cannot be saved unless you have complete forgiveness. The reason why is because salvation is the restoration of the Holy Spirit that had been lost in Adam. This is what I was explaining in the previous program, that salvation is the restoration of the Holy Spirit. And in accordance with the law of sin and death, the reason why the Holy Spirit will never depart from you again is because there is no sin that has been left unforgiven that will cause the Holy Spirit to depart from within you according to the law of sin and death, that in the day that you sin, in that day you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. If all sin has been forgiven, then there is no sin that can cause the death to occur ever again. And so the life that you have... The life that has been given to you will now be an eternal life or an everlasting life by definition because there is no way to lose it. So that is the first reason why I believe a person must acknowledge the complete forgiveness of sins and also why the complete forgiveness of sins is necessary because if you did not have the complete forgiveness of sins, you cannot be saved. The reason why you cannot be saved is because Whatever sin is left unforgiven, chances are you will eventually commit to one degree or another. But regardless of the degree, if you violate whatever law is imposed upon you, you sin, that is the penalty. That is the nature of sin. That is the evil nature of sin. It is so bad that it requires the death of God in order to provide propitiation for it. And so it's a very serious matter. So this is why I believe forgiveness is necessary, so that you have salvation. Now, at the beginning of the previous program, I was explaining that the reason why forgiveness is very important for people to understand is that if they are not resting in the complete forgiveness of sins, then they are not going to be loved by their God. They are not going to be accepted by their God. Their God will be perpetually disgusted with them. And this will put them into a form of bondage that people don't really realize or understand the significance of. This is a very serious matter. And that is that if you are not loved by your God, if you're not accepted by your God, then you have no alternative but to turn to the world to meet the deepest needs that you have to be loved, to be accepted, to have a sense of purpose in your life. You'll have no alternative but to turn to the world You will have no alternative but to turn to sin because these needs will not be met by your God because he holds your sins against you. And so this is a form of bondage that I believe the majority of the Christian world is in right now because they will not believe in the forgiveness that they already have. You have been forgiven. 
Consider Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, where it is written, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In him we have redemption, we have forgiveness. Consider Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. This is Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. It is written, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you are in him, if you are in Christ, you have redemption. You have forgiveness. Consider 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, where it is written, For Christ also died for sins, once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. This is, of course, in reference to salvation, with regards to being forgiven and then being resurrected. Christ died for sins once for all, but we are made alive in the Spirit. The reason why we are made alive is because we receive the life of God, the free gift of the life of God, the free gift of the very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. That is what we receive, that is what saves us, and it is forgiveness that makes it possible for us to retain or to keep the Holy Spirit, for God to stay within us, for Him to be able to reside within us, for Him to be able to take up residency within us, for Him to be able to make His home with us, so that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. That is why forgiveness is necessary. Consider 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. This is 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, where it is written, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. Colossians chapter 2, go back to Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Again, that's Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. In verse 13, he says, You were dead in your transgressions. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Do you see? In the scriptures, it is throughout the scriptures. If you know the gospel, it is here, it is there, it is everywhere. The notion of sin and death, forgiveness for the sin, Life to be restored to those who are dead. Consider Romans. Romans chapter 5 verses 8 through 10. This is Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 8 where it is written, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see that? While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. He didn't wait for you to repent. He didn't wait for you to apologize. He didn't wait for you to acknowledge that you had sin. He died for your sins. He forgave you of all of your sins 2,000 years ago at this time. 2,000 years ago, he died for all of your sins. The sin issue between you and your God was over a long time ago. 
and it remains to be over, and it will never be brought up again. Continuing in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Do you see that? There is a strong distinction being made here between you have been justified by his blood. However, there is much more, and that is that you shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Do you see there's a distinction between justification and forgiveness? Everyone has been forgiven, but not everyone has been saved. Much more, having been justified, we shall be saved. In verse 10, this is Romans chapter 5, continuing into verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. While you were an enemy, you were reconciled. Not when you decided you were no longer going to be his enemy. He has reconciled everyone. Everyone has been reconciled through the death of his son. But much more than that, in addition to that, having been reconciled, you will be saved by his life if, of course, you will receive his free gift, freely, the gift of life. If you receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit, then you are resurrected You will be resurrected and you will be saved. You are saved. We are saved by the life of Christ. It was the death of Christ that made salvation possible. But the death of Christ is certainly not our salvation. We are saved by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and by the restoration of the Holy Spirit that had been lost in Adam. This is very critical to understand because if you do not understand this, if you do not understand forgiveness, and the restoration of the Holy Spirit, then you do not have a solid foundation. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you can build on your faulty foundation that will stay, that will stand, that will hold true, especially during the storms of life. When you are confronted with the reality of life, with the realities of the struggles that we deal with. There is no possible way for you to be able to walk through them and grow to know your God if you do not understand the gospel. Your only alternative that you can experience, that you will experience, is to be put into a form of bondage. And this bondage, at best, is going to be paralysis. Paralysis. You'll be paralyzed from growing to know your God. Because if you don't know this, what else do you expect Him to show you? If you're not going to believe in the forgiveness that you have, what else do you expect your God to reveal to you? The only thing you have left is theology. And that's generally what people turn to. That's all you've got left, to just study God, to study the Scriptures. But you know what? There is a difference between studying the Scriptures, studying the history of theology, studying all the doctrines and creeds that everyone has ever conceived of. There's a big difference between memorizing the entirety of the scriptures and knowing the author who wrote it. There is a big difference between knowing the person and knowing the book that he has provided us with. And I find that most people are worshiping the book. They are establishing a relationship with the book instead of establishing a relationship with the one who wrote it the person of Christ Jesus, and the one who sent him. This is important to understand, and that is that you have been completely forgiven, 
and you have been resurrected if you receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in this program, I'd like to continue and address the reasons, or start to address the reasons why people do not believe in the forgiveness that they have. Because there are a lot of people who just simply do not believe in the forgiveness that they have. And so I need to address this. I need to address this because there are a lot of people who have been held in bondage by this, and I want you to experience freedom. I want you to experience the freedom that you have been called to. Now, to begin this, I need to start by telling you that when it comes to the subject of forgiveness, you have to be very careful with what you are really arguing over. And the reason why I say that is because I can argue the subject of forgiveness, and yet that may not really be the reason why people do not believe that they have been completely forgiven and that the sin issue between them and their God is over. For example, I can present all the verses that I just presented earlier in this program. I can present them all. I can have a person read them. I can have them study them. I can have them go into the original language that they were written in and analyze every syllable that's recorded there. And I can perhaps get them to concede that it is true that they have been completely forgiven. But that may not really be the problem. That may not really be where the argument is at. There are other reasons why people do not want to believe that they have been forgiven. And they're normally outside of the truth that they have been forgiven. In other words, they don't care about the truth. That people, listen to me, they do not care about the truth. That is not their highest priority. They may care about it to a certain extent, but there are other things that they care about much more. Let me give you some examples. Whenever I argue with people about the subject of forgiveness, quite often there are other things that are brought up, and you have to pay attention to these things. You have to listen to these things, because if people say these things, it's because it's important to them. And so I do pay attention to what people have to say so that I can figure out, I can identify what the real issue is. Because quite often the real issue is not what we are talking about. It really is something much deeper than that. The most common reason why I find people are not willing to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins, the most common reason that I have found is that people do not want to forgive other people or they do not want other people to be forgiven. So I'm going to start with this, that I have found that for the most part, a lot of people do not want to believe that God does not hold our sins against us because they want God to hold somebody else's sins against them. When we are in this world and we are living this life that is before us, It is not unusual for us to experience some pain and suffering. We experience violations from other people. This is not unusual. We are in this world and people are sinning and we often are going to be the object of that sin. We are going to be the recipients of it. We are going to be the victims of it. We will find ourselves to be victims in many circumstances of life. And when people hurt us, hurt us in a very deep way, It is very difficult for us to forgive them. It is a very difficult thing to do. There are many reasons why, and I will be addressing the subject of forgiving others as we have been forgiven in a future broadcast. But for now, I just want to express the fact that I have found that many people do not want God to forgive 
others who have hurt them deeply. And so they do not want to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins because if they did, if they conceded that, if they told other people about that, then other people who hurt them may be set free. They may be set free from having to compensate them for a violation that they committed against them. And this is a big concern that many people are wrestling with. And why a person would be willing to believe a lie, or at least deceive themselves, knowing that they are believing a lie. People are willing to do this. I know this might sound a little bizarre, but people are willing to do this. People do this, even after I've confronted them very directly about this subject, just because it is more important for them to keep somebody else unforgiven in their life. They don't want somebody else to be forgiven by God. There are other reasons. For example, people do not want to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins because they believe that they will no longer have a way to control other people in their life. And when I say this, I don't mean this in the same context that I was expressing earlier about people who have sinned against them. What I mean by this in this context is that there are people who are in our lives who express a certain form of behavior, and quite often we would like this behavior to change. And this is one way of trying to control other people. This is one way that we believe, it certainly is not true, but it's one way that we believe we will be able to control and manipulate other people for their personal best interest, of course. But we believe that if we can hold their sins against them in some way, if we can show them that God holds their sins against them, then they should be motivated. We believe that they will then be motivated to stop it, whatever it is or to start doing those things that they should be doing, or that we think that they should be doing. And so to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins would mean that you would have to let go of this manipulation, or this ability to manipulate, this ability to try to control other people, because you wouldn't have any leverage anymore. You wouldn't be able to threaten them anymore with something like, well, now, God is going to hold that against you if you do that. Or, you know, God is going to hold this against you if you don't do this. People enjoy having that kind of manipulative control over others. And when I hear people express their concern in this context, it's usually their relatives. It's usually a brother or sister, or more commonly their children, that they do not want to believe that their children have been forgiven. They don't want to tell them that God doesn't hold their sins against them, because if we tell them that, then there is no incentive for them to stop sinning. That's what people believe. People believe that it is necessary to tell people that God holds their sins against them because if we tell them that God doesn't hold their sins against them, then it might give them a reason or an excuse to just go out and continue to sin. This is why people do not want to believe the truth. People do not want to believe the truth because, first of all, they do not want others to be forgiven who have hurt them. And second of all, they do not want others who they perhaps care about very deeply. They don't want those people to have an excuse to go out and continue to sin. This is why people are not willing to believe the truth. Now, when it comes to the first issue, and that is that people do not want others to be forgiven, that's one thing that we can easily address, and that is to simply say, look, this is your problem. Your problem is that you do not 
want others to be forgiven as you have been forgiven. You don't want people to be set free because of your own personal loss, because of your own personal pride. That's something that I can deal with on a personal level. However, the other thing is quite a bit different because we're normally using the excuse of I want to be able to control other people in my life for their own personal interest. We say that in the sense of we want the best for somebody else and we don't want to take away an opportunity to direct somebody into having a much better life for themselves and, of course, a better life for me, too, because I won't be so embarrassed by them. Things like that. These are the kinds of things that people struggle with. When it comes to that, we have to deal with other issues. Things like, well, then what is it that is going to motivate a person to say no to sin? What would possibly exist that would cause a person to say no to sin, to overcome sin? That is where this subject leads. But that's the problem that I'm expressing, and that is that at that point, we are outside of the boundaries of forgiveness. Now, we have entered into a different scope of reality, and that is, how does a person experience freedom in their life through overcoming sin? And that's a different subject. People are concerned that they will lose a technique or a strategy or an incentive to stop sinning, and so we end up in a different subject outside of the topic of forgiveness. So at that point, again, you are no longer arguing about forgiveness. At that point, you begin arguing about something else. This is very important to recognize that when you get into arguments, when you get involved with people and you start discussing the subject of forgiveness or any subject for that matter, sometimes, or many times, more times than otherwise, you will discover that what you're really dealing with is something besides what you're talking about. People do not want to believe the truth because there is something else that they are going to have to let go of. There is something else that they would prefer to keep than to let go of that. In the next program, I'm going to talk about the law that people do not want to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins because they do not want to let go of the law in their life. The law will be fulfilled by his forgiveness. The law demanded complete obedience or death. The Lord Jesus obeyed the law, certainly, but he died on our behalf who did not obey the law. The law demanded obedience or death. He took death on our behalf. He died for our sins and through forgiving us of all of our sins, because he no longer holds any of our sins against us, there is no penalty that the law can invoke in our lives. And so if there is no penalty, then technically there is no law. A law is only as good as the penalty that you would experience if you were to violate the law. And because the penalty has been taken by the Lord Jesus, the law no longer has any place in your life. Now, he has not set you free so that you can go out and indulge your flesh. Instead, he has set you free so that you can grow to know him, so that you can walk in the new covenant, in the new life in Christ Jesus. And I will continue with this subject in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to 
Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you, man.